And the moment you're not better than the other people, you're going to be replaced. That's Mark Schaefer, leading digital marketing blogger, speaker and author. Mark believes it's entirely possible for anyone to become known in the area of their choice and to enjoy the benefits that having a great reputation can bring. But that in order to do so, you need a plan. A dream without a plan is just a hobby. If you're going to devote your life to something, think it through. This is the first episode in Season 2 of the Digital Download Podcast. In today's show, I'm talking to Mark about building a personal brand, the key ingredients to becoming known, how long that will take, and why hustle culture is meaningless. You know what, Paul? Nobody cares how hard you work. What they care about is only one thing. Are you creating value in my life? That's all coming up. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR, and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Welcome today, Mark. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time. I know you're extremely busy and you're traveling around, so to to grab some of your time is great. Are Are you traveling around promoting the book, the new book? I have, yes. I've been giving speeches really uh, around uh, the world. Yeah. And uh, I'll uh, be coming over to Europe in the spring and uh, doing quite a bit of uh, speaking in the U.S. the rest of the summer. So, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, and I gather you're coming to the U.K. in May, that's right? Yeah, to uh, the You Are the Media conference in Bournemouth. That's right. And Bournemouth happens to be the town where I went to university. So it's a lovely place right by the sea. So hopefully you have a good time. I assume you haven't been down there before. No, I've been to London many times, but my first trip to, to Bournemouth. Yeah, lovely. OK, we'll have a good time down there anyway. So the reason for talking to you today is all around your your new book, relatively new book, which is called Known, mm-hmm. which is about really influence and personal branding. It's a book that I've really enjoyed reading, actually. Thank you. It's got some really actionable insights into it, which which I think is, is really valuable to sort of people in my position. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I had to ask you about was that in the intro to, to the book, in the first sort of 15 pages or something, you revealed a lot of personal details about your history, including things like divorce and paralysis and depression mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even though I've been reading your books and your blogs and listening to the podcast for many years, I kind of never really knew about. Now, this kind of resonated with me personally, because I don't mind saying I, I went through a divorce 12 years ago, and I'm quite open about the fact that I struggle with depression at times. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to talk about those very kind of personal things in, in this book? Well, first, it was a very hard decision, obviously, <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a very I'm a private person. So first of all, I don't like talking about my personal life, and I also don't like dwelling on the past. Yeah, but I thought it was important to establish with the the reader that. I'm not speaking from a mountain. Right. One of the problems that people have is that they look at these people who are known in the industry, whatever industry that might be. It could be banking, marketing, of course. It could be art or music and just think, oh my gosh, how could I ever do that? But an important 
thing to consider is that nobody started that way. Yeah. Everybody started with nothing. Everybody uh-huh. started at the bottom. And the reason I decided to disclose this was to show that at the beginning of the journey, I was at zero, below zero. I thought really I had lost everything that was important to me. Okay. And it was a literary way of telling the reader, wherever you are in your life, I was below that. Mm-hmm. If I can do it, you can do it. Let's go. And then there's an emotional crescendo to the book where I feature the stories of many inspiring people from all around the world, including many from the UK. And many of these people were also at the bottom. Some of them were bankrupt or near bankrupt. They were confused. They were in between jobs. And it just shows that we're, we're all people. We're all equal in our human condition. Nobody was born an expert. And you don't have to be an expert, but you just have to be willing to go on the journey. And then toward the end of the book, I think the stories become even more powerful and more powerful. And then finally, the last story in the book, I talk about sort of one of the most amazing events that's happened to me. Uh, in my life, when a woman came up to me in Scotland and said, you know, I do what I do because of you. Mm-hmm. And he, here's this young woman. I've, I've impacted her life. I've impacted her career. And what a very rewarding place to be compared to where I started when the, when the, at the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that setup that is in the intro is, it's like you say, it's very powerful because it, it just shows that, like you say, everyone's human at the end of the day, and we all have these things. We all carry them. Mm-hmm. Really, there is nothing to stop people if they want to pursue something. Um, your your business is is kind of built around you and your name, your personal name. Was that a decision that you made on a on a conscious level, and so made a decision to build a personal brand when, when you started out doing this, or did it just kind of happen? Well, it was actually quite the opposite. Um, I was very careful, really, when I started to build a company and a brand and a website that did not put me at the center. Okay. Um, I've got you know a a number of uh, strategic partners that I've worked with for years who are very talented. But what I found, Paul, is that uh, as much as I resisted it, I was pulled into the business because of me, because of the brand. And what I learned is that you know people trusted me, mm-hmm. they loved me, and that's why they hired me. Okay. And it's funny, I started my company in 2008, and I didn't put my face on the landing page of my website until 2016. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. It's true because I'm because it's just like I'm I'm kind of a a humble person. I don't, you know, I don't want to be the person out there and sent you know front and center. Yeah. But 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 kind of my journey and my revelation, which I talk about in the book, is that look, you know, I've had an amazing career and an amazing education. I've got two master's degrees. I have seven patents. I studied under Peter Drucker. I've been to 62 countries. I've, I've won all these awards at my, at my company. And what I learned 
is that none of that really matters today. Yeah. It, it matters, it, you know, if you're working at a company, but if you're going out into the world, if you want to establish, become known in the world, if you want to become known to write a book or start a speaking career or raise money for a charity, or you want to be named to a teaching position, you want to be named to a board, you want to start a new business, you have an advantage if you're known and other people aren't. That is a permanent and sustainable advantage. And a lot of those icons, like how big is your office? How many certificates do you have on yeah. your wall? Yeah. What family did you marry into? That doesn't matter anymore. No. People don't know. They don't know. They don't care. There's only one thing that matters in terms of personal power in this world. Are you known or are you not? And so I struggled really obsessed for about two years trying to figure out, can anybody become known? Yeah. You know, do you, do you have to have kind of that special something yeah. or can anybody become known? And I think what I demonstrate in the book through the stories, I, I interviewed about 97 people for the book. I used, I think about 60 of them are actually mentioned in the book. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've demonstrated is, is yes, there, there are common themes. There is a common process. It's not easy. It is hard work. It takes commitment. It takes consistent effort. But yes, it is definitely possible. It is definitely within grasp. And I've shown that the most improbable people have become known and become successful. Mm -hmm. When you talk about being known, the word known, what does that mean to you? Are you referring to fame or influence or, I don't know, large numbers of social media followers? I mean, what does it mean to you? And do you think there are different types of being known? Well, absolutely. And I, I try to make that clear in my book that this is not a book to teach you how to be a YouTube star. Yeah. Where, you know, I, I do think that does take us maybe a special something. You almost have to be an entertainer in some way, almost in, in any field. But I do think in a business sense, in a professional sense, that you can mindfully and systematically create the presence, the reputation, and the authority to give you the best chance to get your job done, the best opportunity to achieve your goals and make your dreams come true, whatever they might be. Yep. And what most people maybe don't think about is that this idea of a personal brand, and, and you mentioned, I think before we started recording that you don't like that term and neither do I, yep. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a suitable substitute. No, there's not one, unfortunately. <laughs> there's kind of an icky factor to the term. It, it's almost like, well, you know, it's, it seems self-involved and, and, and self-promotional perhaps. But the, the fact is that everyone has a personal brand. A personal brand is what people think about you. It's the their accumulated experience with you. So if it's going to be there anyway, why not be purposeful about it? Why right. not create a personal brand and nurture a personal brand that's going to serve you and serve you the best way possible to give you an advantage in this world? It just makes complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
I guess something you mentioned there about reputation is perhaps more what we're talking about, although it goes beyond reputation, obviously. I mean, when it when it comes to that, beyond the kind of tactical things like, I don't know, let's say you're going to write a blog or record a podcast or do media interviews or the, the tactical stuff you do to create that reputation. What do you think are the kind of ingredients, the real keys to, to becoming known? Well, what I heard, Paul, through these interviews is I, I started to discover certain themes and patterns. Okay. And I just thought, I mean, this just can't be a coincidence. And I let the research write the book. And, and the first part of the research was academic research. What's already out there? What are people saying about it? And what I found is that in general, the existing literature about personal branding is very poor. Okay. It's very fluffy. It's very, it's like a, being a cheerleader. If you know, if you can, if you can dream it, you can be it. If you can believe it, you can blah, 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 blah. Yep. And the world just doesn't work that way. As you and I know, it's yep. as, as a, you know, you've got to kind of work with the, the hand that you're dealt and make the best out of it. And, and so my book basically says, look, you, you just can't peg your life on a dream alone. A dream without a plan is just a hobby. If you're right. going to devote your if you're going to devote your life to something, think it through. Just think it through and give yourself the best chance to succeed. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But this book is a framework, it's a blueprint to help you think things through to help you land in a, in a in a niche, in a segment, to have a voice that's going to matter to an audience big enough to help you achieve your goals. And so I plot out four common steps. Okay. Every person I talk to in every career field, in every part of the world, did the same four things without exception. And since I wrote the book, I've talked to many other people who are known, and there still has not been a single exception. Everybody kind of followed this path, at least in the digital world. Okay. The first thing is you need to spend some time thinking about what you want to be known for. Doing a little research, doing a little introspection. I've got lots of exercises in the book to help you figure that out. It might be your passion, but it might not. I mean, I'm a digital marketing consultant and a speaker. And when I was a little boy, that was not my lifetime dream. I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> and in my case, like a lot of people, perhaps almost everybody that we know, they're in a very great position. They have a very successful career. And instead of following their passion, their passion followed them. And that's certainly the case with me. I have fun every single day. I love every minute of what I do, but that wasn't necessarily my dream. So the first step is to really kind of think through what you want to be known for in the world. And how granular do you think you need to get in that? So let's say, um, let's, take an ex let's take me in as an example. So I'm a digital marketer. Mm -hmm. Now, could I say... I want to be known as a digital marketer, or do you think 
in that case, that's too broad. How granular do you need to be? Well, that, that's 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 a great question, and a lot of it depends on your goals. It depends on how big of an audience you really need. For example, if you want to sell your marketing services to in London, that's one audience. If it's in the yeah. UK, that's another audience. If it's around the if it's English speaking countries of the world, that's a different kind of strategy, isn't it? If your goal is to be hired by Microsoft, maybe your audience is 10 people. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I, I think that is all part of the thinking. And, and another thing that, that a lot of people overlook is that sometimes your point of differentiation, your niche, isn't necessarily being granular like, I'm a digital marketing professional. I'm a digital marketing professional in London. I'm a digital marketing profession in London who specializes in LinkedIn. Yeah. Sometimes your point of differentiation really is, is you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way it is for me. The subjects I cover on my blog, on my podcast, and even in the, the range of books that I've written have been pretty broad and pretty diverse. And I think what attracts people to me is the way I think, the way I teach, the way I say things, which is unique because I have a unique heritage and a, use, and a, and a unique background. So one of the things I encourage people is that even if your niche is really, really crowded, like digital marketing or food or fitness or fashion, don't be afraid because there's only one you. And maybe you'll find your true audience because of your voice and who you are. That may be your niche is is your personality. Okay. So, yeah. So you were talking about the four things you've identified. So uh, what you're known for is number one. What's the what's the second? Yeah, and I call that that first step finding your sustainable interest. Mm -hmm which is a little bit different than a passion. So, so, and as I said, there's lots of exercises to kind of help you work that through. The second step is once you kind of know your story, you have to figure out where am I going to tell this? Yep. And again, this is another way for you to figure out, is there a place on the web where I can own a little space? Mm -hmm. Could it be short videos? Could it be Snapchat? Could it be Instagram? Could it be a blog? Could it be audio? Could it be something, you know, where can you find something that's relatively uncrowded Okay, where you can find maybe an underserved audience that will give you a better chance of, of connecting. If you can connect in a, in a new, in a new way, and there are still lots of opportunities for that. Then the third step is now that you kind of know where, it, then you have to think through how. What kind of content am I going to create to do this? And content is sort of the fuel of, of, of a personal brand today. And it's where a lot of people get overwhelmed because they think, oh, well, do I need to blog or do I need to be on Snapchat or do videos or you know Facebook Live or you know what should I do? Yep. And I think... The value I bring, part of the value I bring in this part of the book is to really take away that anxiety and say, look, it's not that complicated. 
there's four, four different sort of content choices you can make. You pick one of them that's going to be the most fun, that's going to bring you the most joy. That's the number one consideration. And you just got to start doing it. You're not going to be perfect. You know, you're not going to be great. You may not even be good, but you've got to start because six months from now, it's going to be easier, more fun, more effective, more profitable than it is today, but you'll never hit that point unless you start. You know, none of these decisions have to be perfect, but you do have to take your best shot and start. What I thought was interesting, actually, within that section of the book is where you break out the different types or forms of content depending mm-hmm. on your personality. So yeah. you had little lists, I think, of of introverts and extroverts and, and, and types of content that you can produce depending on that. And reading that actually alone was valuable to me because I, I'm a kind of classic introvert. And you made the point in there in that list was – you know, if you're going to do a podcast, maybe you're going to be interviewing people. And hey, what do I do on my podcast? I interview people. And, you know, I write blogs and it resonated heavily with me. And I think that's valuable to a lot of other people who maybe are struggling with not wanting to put themselves out there in the world because may, perhaps they're looking at the diff- wrong type of content depending on their personality. Right. That's a great, great point. And I think another point I make in, in that section that I hope really helps calm people down is you know a lot of individuals are overwhelmed and confused because they see you know you've got facebook and snapchat and linkedin and all these different things and then they look around at their competitors well this person has a podcast should i have a podcast yeah. this person is doing live video should i do live video and you know i mean one of the pieces of advice that gary vaynerchuk gives which is you know he's a pretty well-known guru out there is yeah. i mean he says you've got he says you've got to be everywhere mm-hmm. you need to be everywhere and every new thing that comes out you need to be there too mm. well that is 100% wrong yeah i agree 100% wrong you will spend all your time chasing shiny red balls instead of developing a meaningful audience. You need to focus on not discovering every new technology. You need to find what is one form of content that I will enjoy creating that will resonate with my audience. And you pick one and you master it and you yeah. do it well for you know at least a year, hopefully two years to give yourself really the chance to see how it's working. I've also got something I think I I really spent a lot of time on this, Paul, trying to figure out how do you know it's working? Mm -hmm. How do you know it's time to keep going, to pivot or quit? Yep. And so I I created some guidelines, even a little measurement system you can use because what happens is the biggest mistake is people quit too soon. Right. And this doesn't happen all at once. It may not even happen in the first year, but as long as you see little tangible signs of progress, you got to keep going because it's working. You're becoming known. Yeah. It, it builds slowly. It's interesting you said there about Gary V and his approach to be everywhere, you know, all times. And I, I completely agree with you. It's the advice I give my clients all the time. Just stop going after the new shiny thing. Let, let me just let me just point out something significant. 
of all the marketing dollars spent in the world on social media have basically been on the same six platforms for the last five years. Mm -hmm. You can probably name them all. The only significant new social media platform, mainstream platform that has showed up in the last five years really is Snapchat. Yeah. Google Plus kind of went away. Snapchat kind of came in. So there's really only six places. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, and it just, I think that's a powerful statement to say, look, you know, everybody says, oh, it's changing so fast. It's changing so fast. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's hardly changing at all. The power is not being distributed. It's being consolidated. Yeah. yeah. And so don't worry about all these things that are new. Just find your space, find your content and, and focus there and master that and, and block everything else out. Completely. I, uh, on the first ever episode I recorded of this podcast, I spoke to Ginny Dietrich and we had a conversation about exactly that, how even in social media, most things nowadays lead back to Facebook because you've got Instagram or WhatsApp and, and they're all owned by Facebook. So to all those people saying, oh, I'm going to give up Facebook, you've got to seriously think about what you're doing when you're doing that. Um, going back to Gary Vee, he talks about the hustle, which is you know the phrase. And I mm. see this a lot everywhere on specifically Instagram, but everyone saying, mm. oh, you need to be in the hustle and you need to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm. It's something that I have come to really despise actually i was interested mm -hmm. in in your views with this kind of personal branding thing in mind what's your view on that that approach well i mean first that you know gary v or, or, or if you're a disciple of gary v who cares <laughs> <laughs> i mean if that's if that's how you want to to live your life and devote it to 16 hours of work every day. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's fine. It's a free world. And look, you know, I work hard. I've always been a hard worker. So I don't have a problem with choosing that as a lifestyle. Yeah. I think a lot of Gary's, I mean, Gary has contributed a lot to our world, but I think the issue I have with Gary is that he has a very, very narrow view of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically he, he, he looks at the world and says, well, this is how I did it. Why can't everybody be like me? You don't have to go to college. You don't have to do this. All you got to do is work 16 hours a day and be everywhere and say yes to everything. And that is not a sustainable lifestyle. It just simply isn't. Yep. Uh, you know, a human being is, I mean, Gary is, you know, maybe it's sustainable for Gary, but, you know, on the bell curve of humanity, Gary is extreme. And, and not everybody in the world is going to be able to sustain that. And, and I think there's actually kind of a growing backlash against that. I mean, there's really kind of a, an anti-hustle kind of rediscovering, look, why am I doing this? I think more important than the level of work. You know what, Paul? Nobody cares how hard you work. No, no. Absolutely. Nobody really cares. You know, what they care about is – only one thing. Are you creating value in my life? Are you relevant? Are you superior? That is it. That's the only thing people care about. 
Are you relevant in my life? Are you interesting? Are you entertaining? Is your information timely? Are you helping me to solve a problem? Are you superior? Because there's lots of other people doing that too. And the moment you're not better than the other people, you're going to be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the focus. It's not on the amount of hours that you work. That's not the badge of courage. That's not going to win in the end. It's the level of, of connectiveness, the, the, how relevant you are. Are you relevant and are you superior? That's it, period. Yeah, lovely. Okay. Going back to your four patterns you identified then. So we've talked about what content is you should produce. Um, what's the final, the final number in that list? Well, the last one I talk about is this idea of building an actionable audience. And this is an important chapter because there's a lot of mythology around a social media audience. How many Twitter followers yep. do I have? And, and that is important. Building a social media is important because that represents a lot of potential, a lot of doors that could open. Mm -hmm. But a social media audience is not an actionable audience. It's generally weak relational links. So you need to find the people and take relationships to the next step where it is actionable. So a good example is you and me. We've been following each other on social media for a long time. Now, you know, you're interested in me through my blog. You've been very kind in reading my book. And, and there's something about me now. You're creating some emotional connection to me. Maybe you like the way I think or you like the way I write or, or something is speaking to you. And now we're collaborating on this podcast. We're creating content together. And maybe when I'm in London, we'll get to meet. And you never know where it will lead. Sure. So when we were just following each other on social media, it was a weak relational link. But now – as the relationship grows, then it will, you know, result in new value for both of us. Absolutely. You made the point there about the size of audience being irrelevant because, you know, audience size just doesn't equal power. It just doesn't. It's relatively, I say relatively, it's relatively easy to create awareness within an audience. How do you move someone from that weak link that you're talking about, from just awareness of who you are to being someone who is engaged with you to someone who is actually very connected to you to someone who is actually then a paying customer? Well, it's really classic marketing. I mean, what we all try to do in marketing is take our customers or our fans up this curve of engagement and trust that begins with engagement, excuse me, begins with awareness. Hopefully that will lead over time to some form of engagement. It could be subscribing to a blog. It could be downloading something. It could be signing up for a class, maybe even buying something. Yep. And then ultimately it results in loyalty where they say, look, I love you. Not only am I going to buy from you, I'm going to bring all my friends. And there's really no shortcut to that. You know, back when I was a young man, the only way to do that in business was through advertising. I mean, it's we didn't have the web. When I started out, believe it or not, we didn't even have email. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
you know, in a, in a, in B to C, you had advertising, and B to B, you had you know advertising, trade shows, public relations, maybe trade journals. It was very, very limited, and it was all broadcast oriented. Thank goodness today we have lots of different options, and and lots of different channels where we can create those provocations over time, those interactions over time that move people up the curve. Right. So I guess I should really add a third, a third idea, relevant, superior, and consistent. Okay. Because it does take time. And, uh, and I'll give you a relevant uh, example. I had a uh, CMO of a Fortune 100 company contact me last year and he said, uh, I've been reading your blog for three years. I read the content code. I think it's one of the best business books I've, I've read. And now I'm having this workshop for my team around content and social media. And I would like to hire you to be the facilitator for this workshop. I had never heard of this person before. Right. Had never had a contact with him. He never commented on my blog. I didn't even know he was out there. Yeah. And the key idea here is it was three years. But over that time, he built that connection through me because I was relevant, superior, and consistent. And that is what wins in the end. There's no shortcut in building that emotional connection. If you only blog once a year, ain't going to happen. No, sure. If you, if, you, if you do it for a year and then quit, it ain't going to happen. You, you've got to be patient in this world today. The expectations are different. It's not about advertising. It's not about selling. If you try to do that to people on the web, they'll run away. It's about building trust. Yeah. And and you can only do that by being relevant, superior and consistent. Yeah. In a broader sense, the content code, your previous book, which, again, I read and, and thought was fantastic, that presented this idea of, of content shock and there being just so much content out there. And effectively, it was about how to cut through that. This idea that anyone can become known, does that not conflict with the whole content shock theme where you know, does it? I suppose what I'm saying is, let's take an example of Joe Wicks, the the guy in the UK. Yeah. Now, what he, right. yeah, what he did, and he's become very well known in this country. But what he started out doing was these 15 second Instagram videos, something very highly innovative. That you you could argue to a degree he got lucky with something that people responded to and he took full advantage of that and absolutely fair play to him but can anyone really become known if there is this this whole thing of content shock out there do you not have to have an element of luck i suppose in order to do that well um in joe's case it could have been luck or maybe he realized nobody's doing these videos Mm mm-hmm and I'm a good looking guy. <laughs> and my abs are fabulous. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have that same success. No, me neither. <laughs> but, but, but the key idea is whether he was intentional about it or he fell into it, 
the process was the same. Right. And so I so so let me go back a step. Let me go back a step and 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 I want to kind of back into the answer to your question. One of the things that has been shocking to me, literally, I could just it just didn't make any sense is that when I interviewed people for this book, on average, it took them about two and a half years for their brand to really tip, to say, yes, I am known. My personal branding is really paying off. About 30 months. Okay. After I wrote the book, people started coming to me. And after four, five, six months after the book was out, telling me I'm having immediate success. Okay. They're saying this happened, this happened, this happened. This lady came up to me after one of my talks and she said, I just had to meet you. I just had to tell you that I, I followed the steps in your book exactly. I've created this new, this brand and this business. I just won this award. A lady came up to me a few weeks ago after a con- at a conference and she said, I've made a million dollars off your book. And I'm thinking, how is this possible? The people in the book, it took them two and a half years. How are people having such success, especially in this crowded world of content shock and overwhelming information density? How are they having this much success this fast? Mm -hmm. And I realized the answer is people I interviewed for the book didn't have the book. Right. They fumbled around for two years before I did. You know, I didn't know what to do. I tried this. I tried this. I tried this. When something didn't work, I didn't know why. But now what I've done is said, you know, I've basically said, look, here is what you do. I've basically reduced the learning curve to as long as it takes to read the book. You don't have to fumble around. You don't have to stumble around. This is exactly what you do. These are the four steps. They're unavoidable. Just follow the exercises in the book and you'll have a plan. Mm -hmm. So is it harder today than it was five years ago? Yes. But I think in my book, you can do a little bit of research to battle that, to be able to win even in a crowded environment. If you look at the Joe Wicks example, if he had started a blog about fitness, he probably would have failed. Yeah. Yeah. He had to find, you know, what does he want to be known for? It's not, he, Joe Wicks is not about diet. It's not about abs. What Joe Wicks is about, his purpose, he wants to build a healthy country. That was what he wanted to be known for. Yeah. What was his space? It was, he did this thing on Instagram that nobody else did. And you know what? He did that for almost two years before he did anything else. Yeah before he started any other videos or books or anything. So he found what he wanted to be known for. He found his space. He created that content consistently. And then he started to, to diversify into, into other things. He was accessible. He, he connected. He engaged. He answered people's questions. He built an, an actionable audience. He, he showed up. He didn't just have a bunch of followers on Instagram. He created a bunch of fans on Instagram, mm-hmm. and that's a difference. And these are people who are willing to spend $200 for one of his courses or $40 for one of his books. Yeah. So it, it, you know, maybe it was luck. Maybe he stumbled into it, but he found the path because he didn't know the path. And people who read my book can know the path. 
Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. Well, listen, Mark, that's been a really enlightening chat. And I, I seriously appreciate you giving up some of your time to um, to come on this with me today. I know you're really busy. But like I say, thank you very much. And um, I hope people out there have found this really useful. Just in case anyone doesn't know who you are, where can they find you on the web? Well, it's pretty easy. You can find everything about me at businessesgrow.com. And you can find my blog there, my podcast, my books, and lots of other free, cool resources for businesses of every size. Fantastic. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's show, you should check out Digital Download Live, the interactive digital marketing conference for PR, comms and digital media professionals. We'll be covering many of the topics addressed in this podcast, including developments in influencer marketing, artificial intelligence, Facebook marketing, messaging and voice recognition. You can find more information and book tickets at digitaldownload.training. And you can contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton or by email at paul at paulsutton.co. Thanks for listening.